This is the Jet Up Podcast. Hey guys, James here from Jet Up. We have a different kind of episode for you today. You may not know this, but the Jet Up Podcast is part of a group called Roster Up Media. Roster Up is a website and podcast network dedicated to helping you make sense of the data when it comes to daily and season long fantasy football, but also exists to provide informative and entertaining content for your favorite NFL teams. Right now, the Jets are the only team we cover, but we are looking for more hosts and writers to cover more teams around the league. If you're interested, head to rosterupmedia.com and shoot us a message. Today's podcast is a crossover roundtable episode with the fellows who run the Roster Up Fantasy Football Podcast. We had a lot of fun chatting with those guys about the NFL draft and most importantly, how it all affects the New York Jets. Without further ado, here's the show. All right, pretty pumped here today. Uh, kicking off a podcast, a crossover podcast with the guys from Jet Up. Um, co-founder of mine, James McWilliams, heads up Jet Up, and uh, pretty excited to have him, Ryan, on here. We got season-long Neil and the weatherman Rob jumping on as well. So we're pretty pumped to do this. Chop up, chop it up with some football. Um, we just kind of we thought this would be a fun podcast uh, to do for all the listeners out there. Kind of get some Jets takes, talk football, and just kind of let it flow from there. So we hope you guys enjoy it. But James, Ryan, welcome to the roster upside of the podcast. Good to be here. Good to be here. Normally speaking strictly to Jets fans, so fun to talk to a little bit of a new audience. We'll be sharing this also on our Jet Up uh, podcast feed. But uh, yeah, Ryan and I, happy to do a little crossover here and talk talk post-draft reactions. <laughs> you might have a little less miserable of an audience when you're not just talking to Jets fans. Yeah, I'll have to tune it up a little bit to uh, more positivity. Um, yeah, I don't know about you, Ryan. Yeah, it's definitely good to be here. Um, it's been a while. I mean, I feel like we haven't recorded in a while, but, uh, it's good to finally start talking football again and, uh, getting into things as we move closer to the season. So, yeah, I'm, I've been talking baseball with people at work and I'm, I'm honestly tired of that crap. Let's, uh, let's keep going with some training camp. Um, but yeah, so we, we got the guys here from, from jet up. We got Robert, Neil, um, a lot of you guys are introducing Neil, in the offseason thus far. He's killing it with the articles. We've got another one coming out this week. Um, how you doing, Neil? Doing all right, man. Like like they said, I'm ready for football to get running and rolling so I can actually have something to do in my free time and not just twiddle <laughs> my thumbs after work. But, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to get rolling with football. It's about time. The other sports, like the NBA has got too much too much going on. MLB is boring. We, we want the NFL. I hear that, man. I'm ready to roll. Rob? He can only exist in the NFL if there's salaries attached to a player's name, but we appreciate you being here. Yeah, good to be here as always. Uh, I don't know how I feel about these guys crossing over into our into our space, but I'll have to let it slide this time. But uh, good to be here. Like you said, yeah, it's a little weird for me to talk about players without salaries, so I'm going to do my best here. Um, got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about, so I'm ready to get rolling. Rob, we believe in you. <laughs> Rob's already like checking out. Is there is there someone at the Stone Cold minimum 3K? Elijah Moore, maybe? Yeah. If he's 3K week one, it's an easy play for me. You can lock that in right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's while we're exciting. Kicking, talking Jets, Jets players, James, Ryan. Um, this is kind of a draft recap for you guys too. Let's hop into it. Zach Wilson, 
off to New York, Sam Darnold down in Carolina. What is the future? What is the uh, future of the Jets looking like? How are you feeling about it? Um, take it away. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll start off, but uh, I'm sure Ryan has a lot of thoughts on this. But if you heard our pre-draft pod, uh, I was pretty sold on on Justin Fields being the guy. Um, obviously, we saw him have kind of a crazy drop, and I'm sure Neil's going to get into that one because uh, his Chicago Bears scooped scooped up uh, Fields, uh, which I think is probably the steal of the first round. Um, but when it comes to the Jets, dude, Zach Wilson, this guy has won me over. I was very much skeptical of this kid. And he still has to prove himself. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm, I'm sort of at that point in my life where I've seen enough Jets quarterbacks come through the door and, and, and you know, leave quickly. Uh, where I'm, I'm holding my optimism. But he was so fired up when we took him that it got me fired up. Where I was like, I went from, like, skeptical to I'm all in on this kid. And then you see him in practice. He's rocking the headband rocking you know the the leg you know what do you call it the uh like the dry fit leggings all that stuff I was like this kid's got swag um apparently he's he's been awesome in the locker room he's been meeting with guys off off site uh after practice and uh you know basically going back and forth especially with the draft pick so I'm pretty hyped about this guy now I mean I think you know he's got a lot of upside a lot of unknowns coming from a smaller school but I think He's got the right, the arm for it. It's just whether he can, you know, sort of handle the the big stage in New York. So I think, I think he'll do just fine. And then Elijah Vera Tucker with that first, you know, other first round pick, we traded up. Um, I said, basically the only people that think we shouldn't have done that are non Jets fans uh, because they don't understand the state of this roster and how bad our guard play has been. You stick Vera Tucker next to Becton. And suddenly you have this giant wall of cement and Zach Wilson will not get sacked from the left side of the line one time this season. <laughs> so it'll make everybody better on that line. It'll make Connor McGovern at center better. Um, and then hopefully we could figure out the right guard play. Um, so I think for the first time, we feel like the line is actually going to be able to hold up. And Vera Tucker, I think was worth everything we traded to go up and get him um, to protect your rookie quarterback. And then, you know, talking about later in the, you know, draft a little bit later, had to wait a little bit to the second round to get um, what, what everyone thought was kind of a first round talent in Elijah Moore. I think that guy's going to be like way underrated coming in and just have, have a really big rookie season, be kind of a similar to like a Justin Jefferson breakout where people don't think he's going to be the number one receiver in the class, but turns out to be in that discussion. So I think his route running is super crisp. It's like extremely impressive. Um, his IQ is awesome. Dude has a great attitude. So I'm really hyped about more. Uh, I think he's definitely a first round talent. So I think we got three first round players, even though we only had two first round picks. And then, and then I think the last one I'll mention, uh, we went four in a row on offense. So we took Michael Carter at running back from your, your boys at UNC. Um, so I don't know if you have thoughts on him, but I thought when I saw his highlights, he was over a thousand yard rusher, um, you know, and it, you know, he impressed at his pro day. So I think he's going to be, a, you know, st competing for that starting role at running back right away. Uh, I think the jets are desperate for like a, an every down running back. They'll still be by committee. I think in this, you know, this offense, the floor, the, the floor offense, but I think he'll, he'll have the opportunity to earn RB one on that team. So those are my initial thoughts. We went defense with the rest of the picks, which is fine. We needed corners. We're taking shots at like 
corners, um, you know, and I think those guys will, you know, hopefully one of them pulls out and, and turns into something. Um, but we'll see. But I, overall, I think the draft went really well for the, for the Jets. So, Ryan, I don't know if you feel the same. I think you covered it all. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Obviously, new quarterback. Um, just let's just hope we do this right this time. Um, again, I, w- I wish Sam all the best. Um, that's my guy. But, uh, you know, I'll be rooting for Zach week one down in Carolina. Um, but I'm very excited to see what we do. I mean, how many times can we get this wrong in a row? So hopefully we got this right. And uh, I think you said it all. Yeah. I mean, that's going to kind of lead into one of my next questions is um, kind of what do you guys think about, you know, maybe Ryan, you want to take this one away is, is what do you kind of think about uh, Robert Salah? Am I saying that correctly, guys? Um, Salah, Salah, salad. I don't know. <laughs> Robert we, we keep Salah. saying it wrong too, so we're not really sure. I think it's Salah. I've heard that enough times, but Ryan's been calling him Salah for the past two months. So Salah. I kind of like Salah, Robert Salah. Salah. Yeah, it's gonna kind of be interesting to see how he integrates these players. I, you know, James, like you, um, I'm a big fan of some of the Jets uh draft picks, especially at the skill position. I, I know guard isn't necessarily like in a lot of people's eyes the most optimal player to draft to trade up for but honestly when you got a rookie quarterback just protect him like you know and getting some skill position players like poor you know they got Sam Darnold murdered Adam Gase is awful um was before the Jets was daring and will always be one of the worst coaches just that could be calling plays or or you could have uh grooming a young quarterback so I really like what the Jets are doing um and Elijah Moore man I would I would have taken him over Kadarius Tony at the at the 20th pick like I I think he's fantastic. I loved him last year. I watched him a lot in college. Like you said, Chris Route runner. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be great for Zach Wilson. And my boy, Michael Carter-Williams, a couple near 300-yard rushing games at Carolina last year. Um, they, they had a great running offense. Uh, him and Javante Williams would just absolutely eat. He, was, uh, he did a lot between the 20s, can catch passes. So I think he can um, integrate nicely into a uh, running back by committee and maybe even take on a little bit of a three down role at times. So I, I'm excited for him. Um, he was, he was a ton of fun to watch in college. So hopefully he does good for you guys, but how do you guys think Salah and um, the Jets, they're going to use these guys. Like, are you kind of a believer on how they're going to use these skill position guys and how they're um, building the team from here on out? Right. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, you want to be optimistic every time you get a new staff. Um, the thing that jumps out to me, and I'll get to the skill position thing in a sec, is that Joe Douglas didn't know Rob Sala like before the interview process. And usually, the NFL or you know any job, you know, in sports, you kind of have to know people. And Sala was qualified. However, <clears throat> Joe Douglas didn't know him, so he went into that interview you know, with no, you know, friendship or or prior work experience with him. And he just had the best interview and was the most qualified. So that was refreshing to me that we, that Joe got to, you know, pick his guy and, and go with somebody that, that wasn't just, you know, somebody next up in the organization or or whatever it may be. Um, So that was a positive. And I think that, uh, you know, the LaFleur system, um, whatever you do, whenever you're taking guys and coaches from, from, organizations like the 49ers or, or or any of the top organizations you know the Pittsburgh Steelers things like that um you're doing the right thing so I think I mean we're gonna take another shot at it but I think that 
this is the most positive we've been because from Adam Gase to Rob Salah, it's not even like the same feeling at all. Um, I did see that we're projected to get the first pick already by ESPN today. Um, typical Jets That's bold. news. Um, <laughs> Do they know Deshaun Watson's not going to play? I get. I mean, it's a typical <laughs> Jets. You know, you're going to get that until we turn around. So, I mean, I don't see us how we could be the worst team in the league. I think we're going to be, you know, decent. I just think we're in the right direction. I mean, obviously we've been saying that forever, but it feels different. I don't know what, I mean, I've been talking to people that have been Jeff fans for, you know, 45, 50 years. And they're telling me, you know, I've been through this too many times. And I'm like, I understand that, but I don't know if we've had a qualified coach, you know, in a long time. So I think we finally have somebody in there that knows what they're doing. Yeah. The the organization feels like it's finally like, how do you put this like professional? It feels like they finally reached a point where the GM is well-respected around the league. The head coach is well-respected around the league. And the owner is taking more of a hands-off approach. Finally, instead of saying, I'm going to be the one that the head coach reports to um, he's letting the GM be the one that the head, co- head coach reports to. So it's a little bit more of um, you know, that structure that I think is optimal for an organization to succeed. So I think they finally got the structure, right? I think they have finally got the, the GM and head coach, right? Hopefully, but it seems that way. And that's, I think, why it feels different because for so many years, it was just like disjointed GM and head coach, head coach relationship um, where there was like these pairings that everybody thought were, you know, strange. It was like the GM wasn't picking the head coach. The head coach was hating the GM and getting him fired. So it was like this whole kind of thing where it was a mess. And now it finally feels like everybody's in there that, wa- you know, they want to be in there. Um, and finally have uh, a system, like Ryan said, from the 49ers that is proven and has been shown to work with, especially quarterbacks like Zach Wilson. So I think, you know, Salah is, is a defensive mind, but he's showing that he can really inspire a team. And you're seeing players say, we came here for Robert Salah. Like we came here because he inspired us, his philosophy inspired us. We feel like he's actually going to turn this thing around. And that's why we're excited because Adam Gase was such a lame duck. And the minute he was hired, we were like, all right, I guess we're just waiting until he gets fired. It was like, there was no optimism. Nobody thought he was going to work out. Um, So for the first time, I think we're just like, this feels right. So we'll see how they use these, you know, young guys, but it's a young team, you know, a lot of upside. They brought in guys like Corey Davis um, to also, you know, go pair with more and, and Denzel Mims who had a, a decent rookie season. So I think, you know, it, things are looking up. I don't want to say that we're going to compete for a playoff spot this year, but would not be shocked if we won seven to nine games and, and actually made the playoffs in 2022. So I think that's, that's realistic. You know, I think people that think it should take longer are just used to it taking so long in bad organizations, whereas the good ones turned around really quick. Yeah, I think culture is, is just such an underrated aspect from um... – I guess maybe an owner's perspective, like you look at some of these teams across the NFL and they're just train wrecks for years to come and like correcting the culture and building with a smart approach. Um, I mean, it really matters, like laying a good solid foundation where players want to be and win for the long run. I think, I think that's just extremely underrated. Um, speaking of 
the win you mentioned seven to nine wins and maybe Rob um, resident Jets fan, but preferably a DraftKings fan. I got a betting question for you here. The Jets over under is set at uh, six, six and a half wins this year. We got uh, over six and a half at plus 122 on DraftKings Sportsbook, under six and a half at minus 150. James is filling seven to nine wins. I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the league, honestly. I don't know if I'm taking over six and a half. What say you, brother? I think that's a very fair, as Vegas always does, they make it really hard on you. Um, I think that's a very fair over under. Um, that being said, being a Jets fan, I, I guess I'm a little biased. I'll take the over. But like just to piggyback off what these guys have already said, I think it's hard to look at what they've done this offseason, even as even if you're looking at it as not a Jets fan. Um, as an NFL fan, it's hard to look at what they've done this offseason and not say they're trending upward or, or looking in the right direction. I mean, like they just said, new head coach who has done well, um, GM that is doing well already and has had past success. Um, I was like James, where I was shaky about Zach Wilson at first, but now kind of following him a little bit more now that he's on our team. Uh, I really do like the way he he's a leader. And that was one of the question marks. But I see all these things he's posting on social media. Like they all just went out to the Islanders game the other day, like as a team. Like these are things that, like you said, the culture matters. You build from the ground up. And, and a lot of NFL or professional sports teams don't do that. They play for a paycheck. And I think these guys have the right mindset. So uh, I think I I'll take the over. I mean, we could talk about this uh, in December, but I'll take the over um, on that six and a half. And, and I like the way things are going. These draft picks were good. They focus on that offense that really needed it. But even like James said, the, the last couple of picks, they're looking for a DB. And I heard uh, someone say today, actually, on a podcast, this guy, um, and who knows, he might be nothing, but this guy – Homs, I don't even know how to say his name. Hamsa Nasiruddin. Naz, from 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 Florida State. He's a a, a six foot three, two hundred twenty pound DB. Like he's a massive, and like that. I mean, bigger than Jamal Adams. I'm not saying he's Jamal Adams. Don't say like, his name. If, if, don't if, say if his this, name. <laughs> if this guy, if this guy turns out to be anything, I mean, even just a physical guy that that likes to hit people. I mean, by all means, um, I think they did really well. So. Uh, looking good for the Jets, I think. Uh, maybe, like James said, maybe a year or two uh, before they really get things rolling. But I could definitely see seven wins. Hey, Ryan, what's the over-under on vindictive tweets from Jamal Adams this year? I think I blocked him, so I don't even know. I'm done with him. I saw a lot of people were muting the terms prez and, like, and because that's what he goes by, prez and, like, you know, something like that. So, He's just annoying, man. I'm glad he's gone. <laughs> I miss him, but I miss him playing. That's it. I don't Ryan miss misses everybody that the Jets just... let go. <laughs> he develops emotional attachments. Besides uh, Ryan Winters. Players. Yeah, okay. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> but the he still loves Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold never did a thing for this team. And Ryan, like, Ryan would, would do anything for that guy if he asked him. That <laughs> broke me. That broke me when he got got released or traded sam dart donald was the golden boy i loved him coming out of college but man i knew he had organization like they just broke him he just looks mentally broken like you look at his eyes and they're just sad there was 
It was tough. Captain Salah could not. No one could fix that. But we played him week one. We I think the only guy that can fix Sam Darnold is the greatest coach in the NFL, Matt Rule. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate culture coach over there. My favorite coach ever. He's never he's drafted spot, an though. offensive player. He only trades really for did. offensive players. Yeah, Dar- Rob, you think Darnold's in a good spot? They could be all right. This I think year? he's in a good spot. I mean, you have the best player in the NFL lined up behind you, and Christian McCaffrey. You have an awesome receiving core. I mean, and they were pretty good last year. I mean, they did. They they were. I don't know. I don't know where they finished up. I forget. But um, I mean, they hung with good teams like the Chiefs. I remember, um, and a couple other teams. But Sam, you're not going to thrive in New York with the, with the weapons, weapons in quotes that that Adam Case put in front of him and, and all the schemes and everything. I mean, Ryan, how many times did they – I think every drive they called a screen pass that went either zero – it went zero yards or, or backwards. Please so. stop talking about it. Um, but but <laughs> even if even if you do something like that with a guy like Christian McCaffrey, you can turn it into a big play. So I think um, uh, I like to talk about Christian McCaffrey a lot because he is my, you know, number one pick in our fantasy league. That's another, that's another uh, discussion, but – I think Sam's in a good spot, and I think it'll be interesting week one to see uh, what they can do with him. I'm united f- with Robbie Anderson too. Heck yeah! Another another yeah. one who left the Gase model. There's actually a model someone built called the Gase model, and it's um, comparing players <laughs> to when they were under Adam Gase to how they performed after they left him, and they're all like way above and beyond what they were signed for, like Chris exceeding Herndon. their salary. Um, Chris Herndon is on Gase release oh, watch, dude. Honest- Adam Gase release watch. Honestly, God, I could, I, I could say very bad, threatening things about Adam Gase for not giving Chris Hernan the ball at the goal line, but that's DraftKings thing specifically. I've never rooted so hard for a, a Jets tight end in my life, only to get <laughs> zero points and miss out on like taking down a GPP. I, Mike is like you went off as soon as Adam Gase left town, so that's oh, my yeah. prediction for Chris Herndon. Oh my gosh, You're, I'm falling back in love. If he's 2,500 the first week, Robert, I mean, just lock me out of my account. Um, the Dolphins, <laughs> like the, Dol- the Dolphins went off as soon as he left. Like they, they're on, they're on the upward trend too. I think they had an awesome draft too. Oh yeah, I, th- I think the role. It's gonna all depend on how Tua performs, though. I mean, I it, yeah. are you? I mean, Tua made me a little nervous towards the end of last year. I don't know if that's just because, I mean. It, it was young. He was hurt a little bit coming off that in, injury at Alabama as well. So um, I'm not they sure. They sat there. They sat there and they said Justin Fields is available, and they said no. They said we're going <laughs> to stick with Tua. So I'm just curious what everybody thinks of this Fields drop because I, I know that's I feel like I the have, Bears. Yeah. The Bears. I feel like that was like the best thing they've ever done. Uh, honestly, I was I was so stunned. And Neil, I'm about to pass it over to you. Um, because I mean, I just bet my kids' college fund on the Jets over per Rob. So if that doesn't work out, <laughs> Rob, I need you to take it up with the wife. Neil, the Bears <laughs> over under at seven and a half. Is Justin Fields gonna make me rich this year? Uh, well, we get two free wins at Detroit, so that'll be good. Oh man! But uh, but I don't know. I mean, I, I like that. If we won eight games last year with that team, and we went what five and one to start the season limped into eight wins i think we could get eight again and with all the the swag and the energy coming from the draft i think we're in a good spot chicago twitter right now is just booming every day still from the justin fields pick i, I see a, 
a different edited picture of him in a Bears uniform daily. Can I invest in, in Bears Twitter? Is that <laughs> yeah, I, it, I don't it's know. booming, baby. I'd like it, to sell it, uh, some uh, NBA top shots for Bears Twitter, please. Yeah, no, it gets toxic though. So I'm I'm sure you guys in New York feel the same way when the, the Jets are doing bad. You can see all the people chirping, but Chicago definitely kills quarterbacks' confidence. So I'm hoping they don't do this to Fields because they did it to Mitch. They did it to Cutler, but then they praised Cutler when we ended up having to pass the throne to Mitch. So it'll be interesting. <laughs> Jay Cutler the knows how to win over a feel like, Do you feel like they, the trade-up was, was the right move, Neil, to get him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And before the draft, I kind of wanted Mac Jones just because I didn't think we were going to be ready this year. So I thought let's get a little bit of a demel- developmental quarterback. But then when you see Fields dropping – and just the Bears' history of just boring quarterbacks. It's like you have to make that move as an organization. And it was better than trading our whole savings accounts for Deshaun Watson and destroying our franchise for Russell Wilson. Like, it's yeah, okay, we have a quarterback, but now we have nothing else. So I think we didn't give up nearly as much as we could have, and we still kept the core. To me, it felt like they were – like, it was like – their sort of redo when they didn't draft Deshaun Watson. It was like, this kid could be the next Deshaun. Let's not miss it for a second time, you know? So I think that's what it looked like to me. And I, I personally love the move. And uh, the – forget his name. What's his name on uh, Good Morning Football as a Bears fan? Does anyone remember? can't remember the guy's name. But he's – Kyle he, something? Yeah, huge Bears fan. And he was like through the roof the next morning. Um, so – I, I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I hope it doesn't repeat history because if it did, that means you guys are the second pick and Zach Wilson on the Jets would be the bust. So I really hope that doesn't repeat for you guys. Yeah, Neil, sake. I don't need that kind of energy. <laughs> I don't know. On previous podcasts, like Neil has absolutely hammered the Jets. Um, if you guys listen, so he's yeah, uh, I heard that. He's been and out I, to get why, you. That's why I'm here because I'm a little bit uh, annoyed. Neil. It's a good draft, though. Honestly, <laughs> in my opinion, not being a Jets fan, I thought they should have traded back because, and you just said, if you root for a crappy organization, you think it takes longer. I thought they were a couple years off, so I was like, trade back, get some picks so you have room to make mistakes because we've all been there with both of our teams. Um, but, I mean, for keeping their picks or, and or trading up, I think they killed the draft, so I'm, I'll, I'll jump over to the dark side and start rooting for them instead of you know, cramming it down their throat. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'll take that as an apology. <laughs> the thing I don't understand about the Justin Fields thing was, and I was, I wanted him at two before we drafted Wilson. Um, the thing I don't understand is since high school, him and Trevor Lawrence are neck and neck. Justin Fields was the number one recruit out of high school over Trevor Lawrence. He outplayed him in all the uh, high school uh what do you call them? Scouting camp things, whatever. And he still had a good college career. And Trevor Lawrence had an awesome college career. But what in the last like six months made everyone go from Lawrence Fields, Lawrence Fields, Lawrence Fields to Fields is now the number fifth quarterback. Like Mac Jones is better than him. Trey Lance. I mean, I didn't understand all that. And um, I mean, you can look at his senior season and say like he didn't have a spectacular year, but also this was the weirdest college football season in the history of college football. It was a shortened season in the Big Ten. 
Um, there was a lot of factors that went into it that I think affected Fields and and everyone in the Big Ten, especially Ohio State. Like he still beat the the number one team in the country in Clemson with broken ribs. Like the guy's a gamer, and I think people are are losing that um, or they lost you know track of that. So I don't know what happened. I mean, I didn't even hear about Zach Wilson until like midway through the college football season. Fields was always the number two prospect behind Lawrence in college. Like, it just confused me a little bit. So I don't know if anyone has, like, any more information on that, but that's been something that has kind of baffled me for the last couple months. Just I didn't fully understand what was going on there. I think part of um, that is, A, there's always recency bias. So Zach Wilson comes out and leads BYU to a one-loss season, and uh, they were just so explosive, right? Whereas you look at guys historically coming out of Ohio State and they're – their subpar professional quarterbacks. I think Fields is going to be fine, but the two things that seem to stick with him were um, a that whole thing that come out about his what his health. What was it like? Um, Apparently, if he goes to parties with lots of lights, that that's a problem. Apparently, <laughs> if he does, cocaine, that makes you a bad quarterback. Well. <laughs> I don't know how that has to do with quarterbacking. No, he said it was like epilepsy, but yeah, apparently he takes medicine for it and hasn't had an episode in years. So it's, I don't think that was like yeah. a major concern. But you know how these things like drop right before draft day every year and, and these guys end up plummeting. Like there's always a couple guys, whether they're smoking a bong or they're having an epileptic seizure, <laughs> like someone's always dropping in the draft. I know. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like, this stuff is, is minimal. What the, I just feel like we talked about this. Ryan's got his background now. It's Adam Gase at his press <laughs> conference. So this is this is with the, the crazy eyes. So thank you, Ryan, for reminding us of what we finally got rid of. Um, you know, but I That's think the fields, the fields, the fields drop. We talked about it on the Jet Up podcast. It just it felt like something no one could really explain. Um, you know, like you're saying, I think people were just kind of like, oh, Ohio State quarterbacks, they never turn into anything in the NFL. But you got to remember, like it's not always based on where you play college football. I mean, Justin Fields was a much better prospect than Cardell Jones and these other guys that came before him, yep. you know, so it, you can't just say, Oh, because they went to Ohio state, they're not going to turn into anything. So I think that's where you got to be careful. I think people were saying it was racism. I don't think that was part of it because, you know, you had, you know, players like Trey Lance that were rising up the board. So I, I just feel like, you know, it, it's, there was just some overthinking going on and I still thought Fields was the second best quarterback in this draft. Um, I hope uh, Zach Wilson turns into the second best or the best right out of all this. Nobody ever talks about Trevor Lawrence anymore. So it's just kind of, (laughs) kind of boring, I guess. Once Urban Meyer was hired, we were like, all right, they're going to screw him up. we got Tim Tebow. Tebow, So (laughs) Tebow should be able to take that job pretty soon uh, from Lawrence. Um, apparently Tebow has the the highest jersey sales in the NFL uh and and as a tight end and it's just all those 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 Christian girls you know buying up the jerseys uh I don't know what's going on there but uh the fields thing to me was baffling um watching him drop I just kept saying you know whoever takes him is going to be rubbing it in everyone's face in in a few years and I think the Bears are going to be doing that so um yeah, that was my my you know thought on it was it was a, kind of a mystery. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There I was think a lot from of, a football. Are you go first? Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, and this might lead into what you're saying is is uh, there's a lot of hesitation on his processing, like on a football side. There was that was really the only football argument I heard um, that was kind of valid outside of 
any health potential health issues that scare always scare teams away um, was simply the processing and, and getting um, giddy in the pocket, you know, kind of getting happy feet. And I think when you get with a good coaching staff, I think some of that can be corrected. Um, but also when you're at Ohio state and everyone's um, an NFL draft pick that you're throwing the ball to, you don't really have get put in positions where you have to process a lot. So I feel like it's hard to judge, you know, when you're in the pocket for two, three, four seconds at a time, it doesn't happen quite as often. You know, when you're at Ohio state, these guys are breaking clean all the time. So you're able to hit them on these beautiful deep balls. And so I feel like, um, yeah, maybe he processes a little slower and guys coming out of that system sometimes do, but it's pretty rare he gets in situations where he even has to process a lot. So I feel like the sample size is relatively small. I mean, Neil, what, what say you? I think from a football perspective, just watching Ohio State as like a fan of college football, um, the only things that would worry me were when they played Indiana. And Indiana was a good team, but I think name recognition made people think, like, why did Ohio State not kill them? And Justin Fields had like three interceptions that game. So he didn't just come out and hose them down. And I think that originally scared people. Then later in the season, um, I think it was – either the Big Ten Championship or the last regular season Big Ten game, they played Northwestern. And that kind of turned me off of Fields at first. I was, it was like low scoring game. It didn't even feel like Fields was the guy they could go to. It felt like Trey Sermon. That's why I talked a lot about him in my last article was it looked like Trey Sermon was the reason they won that game. And I think people looked at that. It's like, okay, you can't beat Northwestern or Indiana as a high profile quarterback. So they just start to draw different analogies from that. But, I mean, I, I like him now. I have to. I have no choice, similar to you guys with Zach Wilson. But I think he's a gamer, like Rob said. I mean, he hurt his rib against Clemson, stayed in the game and beat him. thought that was awesome. Um, yeah, he just wins games. And I think he's getting overlooked, similar to also what James said, Deshaun Watson did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. That's a good point. Um, I know there was a lot of hesitation after that Northwestern game specifically. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how Fields develops over time. I think it, for me, it just kind of comes down to, do you believe in in Matt Nagy? Like, can Matt Nagy, um, Matt Nagy make it happen? You're shaking your head, no, you're not a believer. Then Fields is done. Yeah, I mean, we, we played Cordero Patterson at running back for like 75% <laughs> of the time, it felt like. I, I mean, Matt Nagy's the worst play caller I've ever seen in my life, and I, I don't know if he did it on purpose for more attention for this year so he could just ball out. I hope it had some ulterior motive. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, and I think him and Ryan Pace could save their job with this draft just on we could be mediocre and just be a good business because we're from Chicago and bring in fans. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't like Matt Nagy, but I think we're too far in now. Um, I also wouldn't be – opposed to getting a new coach because he's 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 awful you guys should hire adam gase he's available <laughs> here he's the best quarterback coach ever <laughs> yeah, any, anyone but gase i think i'm good with <laughs> <laughs> no that's your only other option um well let's transition to maybe a couple make other it stop. Uh, make it stop uh well we'll make it stop right we'll transition into uh something else i kind of want to hear your opinions on the league in general um maybe give me a couple teams you thought really uh, had some nice additions in the offseason, maybe improved themselves going into the year. Um, 
I don't know, anyone popping in your heads, James, Rob, Neil, Ryan, anyone jumping? Dude, dude, it's always the Patriots, man. They can't, can't get away okay. from this team. Um, I, I'm not saying that they had the best offseason, but they clearly want to change what they're doing. I mean, they, they invested heavily in free agency. I think probably overpaid all over the map. But I always say, like, you can overpay and people will knock you for it. But if those players do well, everyone forgets about the salaries, right? Like nobody cares when you're winning. So, you know, I think they they are trying to get back to, you know, be being the best team in the AFC East. They brought in Mac Jones. I don't know about Mac Jones. I personally am not a huge fan. Um, I think he's got all the the pro mechanics and and he definitely has better processing ability than a lot of these guys. But I, I also think it's tough to judge him based on where he played. You know, I think he, he had the time he wanted. He had the best receiver in football um, in Devonta Smith. He had the second best in Jalen Waddell. I mean, it, you know, so I think it's, it's really hard. Najee Harris was the first running back off the board this year, you know? So look, I, I think they're always going to be a threat. Um, Belichick's a, a, you know, a mastermind behind the scenes, but um it worried me a little bit how, how aggressive they were going. And, and if Mac Jones turns into to a successful quarterback, I just hope that the Jets are ready. But that, that division has gotten insane. Like between the, the rise of the Bills, Miami's good. They, they're competing now for playoff spots. Uh, and then you got the Patriots are always, always a threat. I think for the Jets, it's they're the underdogs, you know. So it's, you know, how good was their offseason? I guess we'll find out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the Giants too went crazy. Like the Giants, the Giants went and got like all these weapons for Daniel Jones. Barkley's coming back. They brought in Kenny Galladay. You know, drafted Tony. You know who? Like that offense is potent, man. But you know, is 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 uh, is is what's his name? Is um, Daniel Jones the right battery to power that offense, man? I don't know. Yeah, I, I get I get doubts on that one. He's so inconsistent, so streaky. I, I don't know about him. Honestly, after living through Jason Garrett for a decade, like I'm not even sure I can think Daniel Jones is going to be good. But it definitely feels like a prove-it year. I know Neil kind of hit on that in his article. I mean, Rob, what do you think? Yeah, I was just about to say that prove-it year, exactly. Because if you have arguably the most, one of the most talented running backs in your backfield, you have now Kenny Galladay, you have Slayton, who's a good young receiver. Shepard, who's still good. You got Tony now. Like, what else do you really need? They have one of the best receiving cores maybe in, in the league now or among the top ten um, with the addition of Tony. But it, it is 100% improvement year for him. I mean, I don't think he's the guy. I don't think he's the, the long-term answer. And I think with you guys shaking your heads yes, I think we can all kind of agree on that. Um so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the Giants like to spend their picks on, you know, kind of like flashy highlight guys and not necessarily always the best uh, uh, scheme fit for them. I mean, Barkley was hard to pass on a couple of years ago, but there were a lot of quarterbacks available back then. And you can, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. We can look back and say Sam Darnold didn't really turn out for the Jets, but who knows what he might have been able to do with the Giants. So um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I found it kind of funny. Uh, we're all familiar with, with Dom. Uh, he's part of our, our fantasy league, and, and he's a big Giants fan, and I was watching the draft with him, and he wanted Devontae Smith bad. I mean, more than anyone I've seen. Um, and when they didn't, when the Eagles snuck up and got him, 
he was bummed. But then when they took Tony, he was like, oh, like I wanted Tony more than Devontae Smith. Like, I feel like that's how like these Giants fans react. And Classic Dom. Classic Dom. It's, <laughs> it's not a knock on Giants fans, but like when one thing doesn't go their way, they like try to act like what happened is what they really wanted. And that's exactly what happened. And maybe that's just a New York thing because I see it with, you know, the Knicks as well. And, and I'm sure we do it too with the Jets. Who knows? But um, it's, it's just kind of funny to see that. I think Tony's going to be good, but I mean, it's hard to compare Tony with the best receiver in college football in the history of college football. I mean, as far as how his season went. Um, but like James said, it's hard to tell sometimes with these big name players from Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State. Just because, I mean, Devontae Smith had 10 yards of separation on every single play. So it's like, was he that good? Was Mac Jones good at getting on the ball? Or was it just Alabama? Like, it'll be interesting to see how those things kind of turn out. I think he is that good, but we'll see. What do you guys think is is going to turn out to be the best receiver in this draft? Uh, let's just say in year one. Like from a fantasy perspective, from just a, an overall, you know, oh, is it going to be the top guys or is it going to be someone else? From a fantasy perspective, um, I think Jamar Chase will will run away with it. He's just so elite. But like long term, I mean, dude, I'm a huge Elijah Moore believer. Um, and I think Rashad Bateman was a great pick late in the draft. I don't know if the Ravens will throw enough and if Lamar Jackson is a good enough of a passer to like, make someone like Bateman a top um, fantasy option. But I think Bateman was uh, – I think Bateman, Moore were both better picks than Tony. Um, I know Rob's or, or Dom's going to hate to hear this, but um, let's just keep bashing him. Dom, I'm sorry. Tony, <laughs> Tony's going to be a bust. Uh, you know, I mean, you really don't know that from here on out, but I, I'm not a huge Tony believer because I'm not a huge believer in the offensive – play callers there I think Tony is developing he was a crossover running back receiver in college and I think it's I don't think that's a smart enough coach and staff to be able to use him um, I think they're going to kind of mess it up and so I think that is you know Rashad Bateman Ravens have a good coaching staff I think he'll be very good but in terms of fantasy I think it's going to be Jamar Chase and um, I mean Elijah Moore because the Jets only have really so many good receiving options and I, I i do have some decent expectations from him uh coming into the year i mean what what about uh, you other guys i think devonta smith I'm, I'm i'm high on him just as good of a route runner as he is and jalen hurts in his second year as a starter not full year but you you see a big progression from quarterbacks when they get that either get the full reins or they get the first full year after their feet were wet um, I really like him. The Eagles need a star wide out. It's been a little while. And um, just kind of a sleeper, the other Moore, Rondell Moore, I think he's mm -hmm. in a great position. Playing second fiddle to D-hop. You saw Will Fuller could do that when they were on the Texans. And I think Kyler is just electric. And we were talking about teams that might have ended the draft or their free agent acquisitions, like how they were post that time. And I think the Cardinals are sitting very pretty. And with the mental – um, chip on their shoulder for missing the playoffs to my Chicago Bears. I think they're going to come out. And I think Rondell Moore is going to be a big piece for that because that offense, I mean, Chase Edmonds is now getting full reins. James Conner's there, but Izzy and Kyler Murray, D-Hop, I think that's a, that's a team to watch. 
Rondell Moore was a borderline first round pick up until this past year. Like his freshman year, he was unreal at Purdue. Then he was hurt some his sophomore year. And did he sit out all of last year or did he trying to trying to remember? But he was a borderline did, first round pick for misremembering. Yeah. I mean, he, he was on a team that murdered Ohio State. Like they beat him like 49 to like 28 or something like that a couple of years ago. And he put on an absolute show. And it's like the recency bias we talked about earlier people forget about him just because he sat out and it's like I mean he's a stud you don't you don't lose that in football it's almost better because now you have another year of legs and you're not getting hurt Ryan I've heard you uh you're not too big of a fan of Cliff Kingsbury and I'm not sure I'm a huge believer in him either you think he's uh going to use Rondell Moore to his fullest I've heard a little hate from you over the course of uh, these podcasts um I'm definitely not a fan of of him I think uh when you're a below 500 coach in college, um, you did nothing to deserve an NFL coaching job. I don't care how many points you score. Um, so I think people kind of overhype him. Um, so this is a big year for him. They have to make the playoffs this year. If they don't, I think his job will on a hot seat. Um, but I definitely don't know why people were so quick to think he's just automatically going to be a great head coach. He might be able to call plays. Um, I wasn't impressed watching them this year as far as consistency, putting the ball down the field, um, and just situational play calling. I didn't, I'm just not a big fan. I think he could be out in Arizona sooner rather than later. Situational play calling is huge. I mean, I think he really struggles there. I mean, you see how much they can struggle in the red zone at times. And uh, I don't know. He just – like I, I'm with you. He's made out to be this creative genius, but – I really don't think he is. His offensive not that um, – I mean, you look at a, an offense like Kansas City and things like that, it doesn't even – to me, they're not on the same scale. I mean, and they have talent all over the place on that team. So, I think Kyler is a great player. I, I don't think Kingsbury is – I mean, I get the the idea, what they tried to do with, you know, a young quarterback, young coach that, you know, is supposed to be like a McVay type, but I, I don't see it. Just because he looks cool in sunglasses and has an awesome mansion does not mean he's going to be a good, you know, head coach. So that's yeah. how I hire all my people. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much after Sean McVay had his big year or two, you know, everyone was like, let's find a guy that just looks like Sean McVay. Like, <laughs> like has the same haircut, you know, the same age and let's just assume he'll be good. So I, I honestly kind of agree. I feel like that offense is, you know, again, like, as much higher upside than you know the coach is, is drawing out of them. Uh, I feel like they they definitely need somebody who has proven they can run run a team well, or at least an offensive coordinator that can do you know do some some situational play calling. So uh, I agree. Yeah, I mean, give me uh, so somebody throw out another team that you maybe think grew during the offseason. We kind of hit on. Uh, Giants, Pats, anyone else that's kind of sticking out? I think uh, they're only getting better every year, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they mm. added uh, Greg Newsom at their, their first-round pick, who I think is going to be a real nice addition to um, Denzel Ward on the other side of the, of the field. Also, throwing in uh, to Davion Clowney doesn't hurt on that defensive line. So I think having the two-headed monster of him and Miles Garrett, if Javion can get back to his quote-unquote prime, if you will, um, will be pretty scary to deal with. So they're adding some nice additions. They had a good year last year. I think they can have a better one this year. I think um, 
if I had to take them or the Ravens as um, the winner in that division right now, and not to say the Steelers can't do it, but I think they're 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 the two favorites right now. Um, I might take the Browns right now just because I'm not a full-on believer in Lamar Jackson after last year. I mean, he had that MVP year where he went crazy, but and he could very well do the same thing. But I think teams start to figure him out after that first year, and we saw that a little bit last year. So uh, you cut the head off the snake. It's kind of hard to um, you know win win games after the quarterback doesn't do anything. And I think with Chubb and Hunt kind of running that offense, um, you get Odell back this year. Uh, the more that they run the ball with those two beasts in the backfield, the better they've done and the better Baker plays. So um, adding additions to that defense when that offense is already loaded, I think was just uh, real good for them this offseason. Yeah, I mentioned to see how they um, perform with some expectations. I, I'm a pretty big fan of how the Browns are building um, and just how they're handling Baker. Like Kevin Stefanski really come in, came in and – and stabilize that locker room. But Andrew Barry, I think is the GM's name. I mean, he's just like a really smart analytical guy. Like they, they build it with an analytical approach, but they run the ball a ton and they do it efficiently. They're not just like there to run it up the gut. And I know like from a fantasy perspective, we talk about that a lot, how it's typically more optimal to throw um, on early downs and, and, teams that have a higher pass rate over expectation perform better, but the Browns have really built it and, and structured their play calling in a way that they can run the ball 60% of the time and be very efficient because of how they use it in their passing game. And, you know, I, th I think they are just from, from the top down have been smart and are building it out well. And honestly, they're still pretty young. They still got a ton of upside. So, I, I mean, I, I'm with you there. I'm picking them for the division. I, I think they're going to win 11 or 12 games. So really quick, what? So, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Like that running back heavy kind of approach? Because I think a lot of people assume that that has phased out. And um, just curious, like how are the Browns doing it effectively? Um, and before that, I just want to say I'm really grateful that we will no longer just be running the ball on second and long every single time on the Jets because it was the worst. We had the the highest amount of second and long rushes last year kind of unrelated but just just hated that so what are the Browns doing that actually is working when it comes to running honestly a lot of it has to do with how they use play action off of it right they use play action um so much like they, they use play action um at a a top three rate in the league last year so typically the teams that perform just just from like high level metrics right so the teams that were typically the best throughout the course of the season um, and ended up in the Super Bowl, the championship rounds were top five in pass rate over expectation. Um, Chiefs, Bills, Bucks, um, and Packers weren't quite top five, but they did throw the ball up more than they did in LaFleur's uh, first year. Uh, so um, typically when you're throwing the ball on early downs, you're succeeding at a high rate, right? But on the flip side, the teams that might perform really well, but don't throw the ball as much. Titans, Ravens, Browns have a high play action rate. They're typically top five in play action overall, um, or 
It's also how they use their guards. Uh, there's a lot of pulling involved. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of confusion at the line. There's a lot of motion. So teams with a high pre-snap motion um, rate also perform well. And a lot of that is just signs of creativity, right? You're keeping the defense confused, keeping them moving. So you can succeed running the ball. Although for the most part, the last couple Super Bowl winners obviously throw the ball a ton, right? Like Kyle Shanahan wants to run the ball, but you look at, um, when they were really successful the year of the Super Bowl, they ran it a ton, but the pre-snap motion, the guards pulling and the play action was like all top three to five in the league. So you can win that way. That's how it's got to be done. The Jets were bottom in play action, bottom in pre-snap motion, bottom in pace and bottom in pass rate. It was exactly like you said, you knew they were basically going to run it up the gut on second and long. Like it was, it was so predictable um, that yeah, I'm looking painful. my chops now at, at getting the floor now, hopefully running that, you know, pre-snap motion play action style offense. So mm -hmm. yeah, that was an awesome crash course in, in uh, what works and what doesn't. So yeah. Appreciate and that's, that. yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that's, and that's what Stefanski uh, did when he came in, like you can, you know, I I'm definitely on team running backs don't, matters much but it's you want you still want talented guys you just don't want to overpay them or build an entire offensive around them that's why you know like some Jets fans or or, or non-Jets fans you said bashing the the pick of the offensive guard you guys made I mean strengthen that line like get a quarterback get the most important player then build an offensive line and then get talented skill position players to put around him Michael Carter Williams might like he, he might perform really well the next year or two, but it's because you've got a strong, improving offensive line, good quarterback play to, to keep the box from being stacked. Whereas if Michael Carter's on that team the last two years, he probably sucks in yards per carry because he's getting hit behind the line so often. So mm -hmm. a lot of that situation for running backs, it just matters so much. So like the Matt LaFleur's, Kyle Shanahan's of the world, Kevin Stefanski's, they create situations where their running backs can get in space. And that's why you see like Nick Chubb and he's just so explosive. You take an already explosive player and you put him in a good position. I mean, it, you know, that's, that's smart football. So, um, you know, you mentioned the Patriots, how they're building out. I mean, I'm, everyone's getting faster and faster, but I feel like they're just building it to run it down people's throats as much as possible. I mean, they just beefed up the line, added a bunch of tight ends. So their offense will be interesting because, you know, Belichick likes to zig when others zag. But um, yeah. It's I just saw someone talk about how recently on Twitter, I was seeing, they're saying tight end is the new wide receiver one. Do you guys buy into that? I mean, like Kyle Pitts, obviously going super early. I don't buy into that because uh, I do think a great tight end, if you utilize him correctly, is fine. But if you are giving me the choice between um, Travis Kelsey and, you know, uh, another couple and, and Stefan Diggs or, or Julio Jones, I'm taking the wide receiver one, um, you know, any day of the week. Like Kelsey is extremely valuable, but, you know, I'm taking a wide receiver one any day because just the ability to beat anyone in the secondary and get open and have that threat is, you know, when a defense has to worry about um, an entire side of the field at all times or put two people over there, shadow coverage, you know, I'll take that any, any day of the week. Um, but they, people are utilizing tight ends more. I mean, you mentioned Kyle Pitts. When we get these unicorns and you kind of get, he could be a tight end one or wide receiver one, right? I mean, I don't know what you got your your thoughts are, but whenever I feel like we get a unicorn like this, 
people can't figure out how to use them and they, they can end up messing them up. I mean, I hate to be pessimistic like that, but are they going to be able to do that with Kyle Pitts? I think they picked best available. And at the time it almost looked like a win now move because we're going to stick with Ryan and we have Julio and Ridley. But I think the problem with these unicorns is that they're usually the best available pick and the team doesn't really know what they're doing. So they end up picking them and it's a bad fit. And I think, now with Julio leaving, it almost hurts that offense as a whole. And, I mean, I'm sure Kyle Pitts is still a stud. We all know he's a stud. But would he have done better if – or he can if Julio stays? Um, I don't know. I just think the unicorn pick is usually because the team doesn't know what the hell they're doing. They're like, all right, yeah, let's do this because it's – if we don't, we're going to get made fun of. Yeah, that's what it felt like to me. Like when they when people had mocked like quarterbacks to the Falcons at that point to say like get the guy of the future, um, but then you'd always see Kyle Pitts mocked there because I think not only do the Falcons not know what they're doing, but nobody really knows where to what to do with them. Like it seems like they've had like a potent offense for as long as you can remember, but still can't win. And you know, obviously, like there's issues on the defense, but it's you know they went tight end because <laughs> why not? Because this guy is this high upside player. But does that really help your roster? So I think sometimes I've talked about this in the past, like going best player available is sometimes not the best idea because you're, if you take it the best player available and the best player available is a D tackle four years in a row, then you haven't done anything to improve the other side of your roster. So I'm just like, sometimes I think that's, it's, it's a scenario that sometimes makes sense. Like if you have a hole and that person is the best player available, fits that hole. You know, then I get it. But, you know, I think sometimes you take a little bit more of a need early. That's why you see quarterbacks go so early, um, you know, sometimes overvalued because, you know, it, it's something that really changes the dynamic of that roster. Whereas Kyle Pitts is kind of just like, let's add another great pass catcher here. But does the roster actually get better or is it kind of like throwing mud on top of mud? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like it's just this looks the same as it did before even though it's just more of it, you know, it's just yeah, like, well, uh, to, to that point, you could, you could look at the Bengals and, and uh, it would be interesting to see, you know, is passing on stool to get Jamar Chase. Was it the right move? And, and in an offense that I think doesn't necessarily, isn't desperate for a wide receiver. I mean, they've kind of found something in T Higgins. I think Tyler Wood is still pretty good. Um, AJ Green's, is he even on the Bengals anymore? I think he. No, he's on the Cardinals, right? Or no, did he go to the Cardinals? Whatever, doesn't even matter. But anyway, when when the number one issue of that offense was the offensive line, uh, to pass on that for Jamar Chase, I mean, it's it's very attractive. Uh, it's hard not to do, but at the same time, like if you keep Joe Burrow healthy, he's your quarterback for the next fifteen years. So, like, is there more of uh, priority to protect your long-term uh, quarterback or do you want to put him together with someone he was super successful in college with and that was the debate I think they had and I think now as a Bengals if you're a Bengals fan or if you're in that front office like you just have to hope and pray that Burrow doesn't get hurt uh, this year or in you know before you can figure out what's going on with that offensive line so I think that kind of goes really well with what you were just saying James so that's something I'm going to be looking at. And I think a lot of people are too. I think something that ties along with what you guys both just said, and I kind of cut out when James finished his thought. So 
But anyway, um, I think the Cowboys, when they picked C.D. Lamb, and they didn't need him, they had Amari Cooper, Gallup, they had all those weapons. I think you see a lot of teams starting to do that where um, the best p- player available thought, it's like, okay, can we stack up and make this an advantage on the field? And now we have this four similar to the Chiefs where it's like, okay, how are you going to stop me? It doesn't matter if I passed on a defensive player that might take a year or two to like flourish because now you have to stop me on offense because my third best wide out is 15th round or pick in the draft or similar to Jamar Chase um but yeah I just I just think that the stacking of the positions are very important I think that would have been cool with Pitts and Did lose Neil there or am I the only one who can't hear him I thought I was frozen, but turns out Neil yeah. just totally uh, caved on us there. I, <laughs> I, I know the folks thought now. it was going to be a, it was going to be a great just thought that he, he was, was about, about to, to make the right best there. point in history. <laughs> hey, Neil, are you there? There he is. There he's back. Hi. <laughs> uh, which part did I cut out in? <laughs> you were just about to make the punchline. Stacking. We were, we were you're, <laughs> you're talking about uh, you just cut out at like uh, Kyle Pitts and Julio Jones. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, I think the Cowboys started a trend to where stacking at a position is really good, and I think that's what the Bengals were thinking, like, okay, O-line, probably need it, but why don't we bring Jamar Chase and have Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins already and Joe Mixon at running back, and now it's like, who's stopping us, even if no one blocks? And I, I don't know. I think that's what I thought the Falcons were doing, but, I mean, they didn't, and that's why I was most upset. Kind of like, like playing that. to one advantage and saying, like, we might make ourselves vulnerable over here, but we're going to be so good over here that it's not going to make as much of a difference. So, like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, I, yeah it's, exactly. I fully, I fully understand that, and you can easily agree with that. But after – and like I said before, it's really hard to, to say Jamar Chase wasn't the right pick or wasn't a good pick. I think he's a phenomenal pick, but – just because he's a phenomenal talent, but your quarterback, like I just said before, just towards ACL, he was having a great year. Was I mean, him and Herbert would have been neck and neck for rookie of the year. Um, and then he goes down for the rest of the season, and you never know what's going to happen with these guys that return from ACL injuries. So, I mean, do you protect? You you found a guy. I mean, how how long have the Bengals been looking for a quarterback since Carson Palmer? Like. So you finally found your guy. It's time to protect him. If you stack up on all those other positions, which I, I like the idea of, Neil, like how, how, how quickly does Joe Burrow have to get rid of the ball where he doesn't get sacked? And, I mean, and going back to your point before, Cody, like who's going to be the best rookie in fantasy? It's probably going to be Jamar Chase, like you said, just because Joe Burrow throws the ball 50 to 60 times a game. I mean, it's it's absurd how much he throws, but how fast does he have to get rid of it with the offensive line that he has? So I think that's kind of the conflict um, that the Bengals have to deal with this year. Yeah, very fast. He has to get rid I think of they, really they put themselves in a bad position without addressing that uh, in free agency a little bit. I think that they, you know, they could have taken a little pressure off themselves and said, you know, admitted what everybody kind of knew, which was that they were they were in love with Jamar Chase. And I think... You know, if they had just fixed the line a little bit more in free agency, you could have said, okay, like, yes, uh, you know, Sewell is going to be a stud, but we're good enough at the position to say we we value stacking that receiver room a little bit more than we value adding an elite 
tackle. We might have a decent tackle or a good tackle. So I think they just missed that opportunity to take that pressure off themselves. And like Rob's saying, you may be stacked at those positions, but if he doesn't have the ability to, to get the ball out of his hands, those guys will never get the ball. So I think I did see some someone do a comparison of, of situations where teams invested in O-line and where teams invested in receiver. And more times than not, the O-line team had more success with less good receivers than the good team did. The team did with better receivers and a bad O-line. But, you know, only time will tell. Well, they'll, they'll come yeah. out and Jamar, Jamar Chase will kill it this year, I'm sure. You know, as long as, as Burrow doesn't get hurt again, I think that's where you're, you're going with this is like he could tear his ACL again. And then yeah, you're, well, you're looking at, you know, at, at a bad situation, no matter who's running routes. Yeah, that's that's the whole issue is can he, if he stays healthy, then that's a money pick. But if he goes down again, then it's like, OK, now this guy's hurt two years in a row. Like, what are we doing? I don't think you're a Bengals fan or you're in the front office there thinking that you're going to make a run at the playoffs this year. So like me personally, I think these wide receivers every single year, every draft, we see four or five elite wide receivers come out every single year. You figure you're, if you're the Bengals, you're probably going to have a top 10 pick. So you probably have a good shot at getting one of these elite wide receivers every year. Um, so to me, it's like, do we pass on Jamar Chase, who is probably better than most wide receivers that come out of college? But uh, is there not going to be another one next year? Who knows? Like, there very well could be. So I think there's a better shot that another really good wide receiver comes out that they have a chance at next year to build that offense and build those – those stack those positions um, to get a, a really good tackle like an school. So it'll be – I mean, the Jets did that, right? I mean, the Jets yeah. took Becton last year when they could have taken, you know, a C.D. Lamb or – Yeah, or, uh, exactly. You know, so – you know, they, they addressed that and they said, okay, we know we're not making the playoffs this year. So let's go and let's fix up those areas like the, the tackle position. Then this year, okay, let's get that quarterback. But let's also just once again, take that, that, you know, let's shore up that line because they, again, probably don't think they're making the playoffs this year and next year. Okay. Now let's go get another playmaker. Now let's go get an edge rusher that can make a big difference in this draft, something like that, where, you know, those, those picks are a little bit more of a luxury, you know? So I think you see the Browns doing that now, or like they can now just go and get whoever the hell they want because they're talented enough, you know, in the, in those areas of need. So, you know, I, it's, 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 it's a good argument. I think you can make a good case for either one. Um, as, at the end of the day, Joe Burrow is going to get sacked no matter who's, you know, who's blocking yeah. for him, he's going to get sacked. So it's just hope he doesn't get hurt. And then, maybe next year go get a tackle, you know, so. Yeah, and, and, and on your guys' side, in terms of longevity with, like, the old linemen, like Eric Fisher on the Chiefs, perfect example, was number one pick, and we almost forgot about it, and he went through terrible seasons and then won a Super Bowl later on. They could build in other ways because they had that um, tackle already in place. So I, I totally understand that part, too. I just think the, the defense wins championships – is starting to get overdone and more people want to see offense and especially with the rise of the chiefs um people are like i don't know how my defense can stop them if i even have the best 11 players in the field like they don't even know how to stop the chiefs so well besides the bucks but a lot of that with no, the uh chiefs was last year in the super bowl was uh a 
their offensive line was so beat up. Like they had a top five offensive line by the time. And they they're the definitely investing in that position now. They went and yeah. got every good lineman they could this offseason to say, hey, like, let's just make sure that never happens again because we're making the Super Bowl again because we're the Chiefs. So let's just make sure that's never another another excuse for us. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, I didn't mean to cut you off there. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say it's funny that we constantly continue to talk about Chiefs, 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 but they didn't even win the Super Bowl. So it's like, I <laughs> the mean, Buccaneers is just boring because it's like Tom Brady. Here we go again. You know, I mean, the Chiefs are clearly like at the top of the food chain, like every regardless of if they won or not. Um, but it's just funny how we we talk about the Chiefs model as opposed to you look at the team that beat them has the best quarterback probably of all time. And then they have uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Grunt. Yeah, they have a pretty good offense. They're pretty, let's, they're let's pretty good too. Like so. Playoff, playoff, Lenny. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're so they're they pretty brought, talented. And bringing back all twenty-two stars is just absurd. So hopefully they can make that work again. That'd be fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think will be fun. It'll be interesting. I'm ex- I'm excited for some football to get going. Um, I'm just like ready for training camp to get here. I'm ready for uh, some DFS talks, some season-long full, talks. Full stadiums are back, man. Dude, heck that yes. Got announced today. I, how much did you miss the vibe last year? Like, even watching it on TV, I missed just people screaming. Oh, it sucks, yeah. man, not being able to, to see people go nuts. Even, you know, look, I, I have my own thoughts on MetLife Stadium. I don't think it's the best stadium for, for fan fan experience, but to see Fireman Ed, man, turn throw, you know, <laughs> throwing his little, his little – uh, his little helmet yeah. around and, and all those crazies and, and all these different fan bases, you know, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's something we all would love to see again. You don't realize <laughs> how much like of a difference the fans make. Cause I mean, we didn't have any in football besides maybe towards the end of the season there, but like even just watching the Knicks game last night, like hearing the defense chant going, hearing people go nuts every time, like someone makes a three or a dunk or something like that, getting that back into sports is the, I just can't wait for that. It's it's gonna feel. It was good. like watching something like last night. I did see the Knicks game and the Nets game, and it's like you're watching these full stadiums. And you almost can't believe it. You're looking at it and you're like, "Are we really back? Are we back? Like it feels like we're back." You know, so <laughs> I'm excited for that. You know, I'm not going to any playoff games anytime soon because they're like six hundred dollars. But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> uh, I might go to some Jets games this fall. <laughs> Well, before we wrap it up and get out of here, I got to know one more thing about the Jets. James, um, going throughout the rest of the offseason, uh, going into August, do you feel the Jets need to make any more moves or just let these guys develop and ride it out? Yeah, I think we're almost there to, like, have a competitive roster. I think we're, we're probably – probably could, lo- you know, make uh, make do to add another corner. I think we – they're talking of Rick, Richard Sherman because uh, of the relationship with, with Salah. Um, just to kind of bring a veteran in. There's talk of bringing back Brian Poole. I think Poole's more realistic. I think we got to bring him in uh, to kind of just add some veteran presence to the, to the DB room. Offensively, I don't think there's much to do other than, you know, figure out who's starting on the right side of the line. I mean, especially at guard. Um, I think they're probably going to roll with someone uh, who's already there. I don't think they're going to bring anyone in at this point. Um, you know, and then in terms of, of, of kicker, we have, we dropped a kicker. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what to expect there. 
but we could really use a kicker that sticks around for more than one season. So I'm hoping that we find one. Um, you know, the guy the guy clarified his his name because it's spelled like N-A-G-G-A-R or something. So he clarified it on Twitter that it's and I'm not gonna say it out loud actually, because I don't even want to get this audio, but uh I I'm not even gonna say it. So I'm just gonna move on. I'm gonna let you go look it up. Uh but anyway, uh Hopefully he turns into something um, and we're allowed to say his name on live audio. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think there's much more they're going to do. I think at this point they, they're kind of saying, let's go see what, if any of these rookies we brought in, undrafted guys. We brought in a, an interesting undrafted tight end, Kenny Yaboa, out of uh, Ole Miss, played with Elijah Moore. Has a similar build to, um, to a Kyle Pitts in terms of a tight end. Obviously not going to predict that kind of success, but you know, he has that similar wide receiver body for a tight end. So we'll see if he turns into anything. Keep an eye on him. Um, but I think the roster is mostly where it's going to end up, probably just adding another corner um, or, or so. So, you know, I, I think we're built to, again, like to, the roster is not that terrible this year. Last year was brutal. Um, we, I think we have, uh, you know, a, a medium difficulty schedule this year. We are playing in London for one game. Um, I have to wake up early for that one, um, which I'll probably regret. But uh, ultimately, I think it's it looks to me like a seven to nine win team. I think last year's two wins was kind of a fluke. I think we played worse than we were. Um, not to say that we didn't deserve to be a bad team last year, but I think Adam Gase is one of the worst coaches in the league. We had just an awful scheme, awful system. Darnold was regressing, you know, uh, it was just guys were hurt. You know, this year we're getting back CJ Mosley at linebacker, uh, hopefully healthy, brought in some good free agents. I think Corey Davis will make a big difference. Honestly, I think him, Mims, Moore, and, and uh, Jameson Crowder, it's not a terrible wide receiver room. I, I honestly think that's, it's not, and they brought in uh, Keelan Cole as a decent depth piece out of, out of the uh, Jacksonville. So I, I honestly think the team will compete more than people expect. I don't expect them to be front runners anywhere, but I think, you know, they're, they're going to end up having more wins than people expect, especially if it's all going to come down to Wilson though, at the end of the day. Right. I mean, if, if Zach Wilson comes in and, and can't learn fast enough, we're going to be in trouble, but apparently he, his offense in college is very similar to the offense he'll be playing uh, with under the floor. So I think, I think it'll surprise some people. I really do. I think their defense is not that bad. I think it's it's probably we're probably like a, a stud corner, and maybe uh, one more offensive line piece away from from actually playing for a wild card spot, um, as long as Wilson turns out to be something. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think you guys are definitely trending up. I think Joe Douglas is building the team the right way. Hope you know for your sake. Hopefully his his players hit, but I definitely think the Jets are trending up. I think if anything, if you guys can win, you know, five or six games and be competitive in a majority of them, I know we got that extra game this year. So, you know, maybe six or seven is, is a better baseline, which, you know, you're going what six and uh, six and 11 at that point. So, um, yeah. you know, and then if you're competitive, if you're within a, in a lot of one score games, I think that's indicative of growth as well, because then those young guys develop, learn how to win. Cause that's typically something that um, regresses back to the mean a lot. Like if you're, you know, like Washington football team, they got a lot of guys 
they improved, but they were two and five in one score games. That's typically something that regresses to them, maybe going 500 in one score games, right? Yeah, so I if think you can we're, just we're, we're at that point where we have the coaching staff to help us win those tight ones, where I think we didn't have that in the past. And um, we brought in some guys that can make a real difference in terms of those third down sacks. So we brought in Carl Lawson. We brought, you know, Quentin Williams is having a real rise to become one of the best D tackles in the league. You know, so I think, you know, we got some of those guys that can change the outcome of, of a close game, you know, sacking a quarterback on third and long, um, you know, something like that in the fourth quarter, you know, or, or, you know, closing out a game with a first down. So I think, you know, we're, we're getting there, um, you know, so, and the coaching I think is there, you know, so I, I'm excited. I think Sala brings the energy we need and, and uh, you know, it, you know, fingers crossed, cautious optimism, but you know, we're, we, we try to be, you know, as, as, as optimistic as we can without being ridiculous as Jets fans, because I think some Jets fans just, they, they fly to one end or the other, you know, it's either we're, we're going to the playoffs or, we're never going to be good. And I think we're probably going to be somewhere in the middle. So we'll see. <laughs> That's why the people got to come visit you over at jet up. Uh, Cause for the balanced views, making sense of all the news and rumors over there, not getting too opt- optimistic nor too pessimistic, but uh, yeah, yeah we've guys... learned our lessons. We learned. <laughs> <our> lessons. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we, we always want our listeners to go check you guys out over at jet up James. Um, appreciate you hopping on here. Tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, so if you guys want to follow more Jet-specific content, so go to Twitter. Uh, we're at JetUpPod. Um, and then you can head to RosterUpMedia.com, which is where this podcast is going to be, uh, as well as the Jet Up podcast. Uh, and, yeah, we'll, we'll be going all off-season and season, and, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy. So if, if you're a Jet fan especially, I think you'll enjoy it. Absolutely. It'll be good stuff. Uh, Rob, I might not see you until DraftKings salaries are released, but it was good catching up. Uh, glad you made it through winter time. Um, any final thoughts for the, for the people here? No, just glad to be here. That was a lot of fun. I think uh, we could all go probably another three hours if we really wanted to, but um, I'm glad to be a part of this. And it was a lot of fun. So looking forward to the DFS stuff and, and always, always glad to be a part of this stuff. So we'll spare the people three hours. <laughs> yeah yeah we could chop that up into multiple podcasts neil <laughs> you got any final one-liners for us any hot takes on your way out of here i mean i don't i don't think so uh if you want to see the one-liners they you gotta go to roster up what look at my articles they're not really spontaneous it usually takes me a while to think of funny <laughs> stuff to say so uh yeah right now put on the spot i can't think of any but yeah if you want to have some laughs at other people's expense. Uh, I don't really hold back. Just check those articles out. All you, know, is- you, have a, you have a writing style that is very unique and it is fun to read, my friend. So I, I encourage people to go to Roster at Media and, and read some of Neil's articles. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's very, like, very refreshing to see not, like, just like, you just feel like you relate to the stuff you say. Like, it's not like, Oh, like we're so polished ESPN.com. It's like, no, man, we're going in. (laughs) (laughs) We are. That's no fun. We don't like that. 
we're the place for the people rosterofmedia.com place for the people you can find neil rosterofmedia.com backslash season long uh for all his wonderful takes he's got more coming out this week um all descriptions and everything will be uh in the in the link in the show notes you can find rob at rob mcw24 uh leave him alone for about two and a half months and then i'll give you some weather neil o'donnell underscore 12 uh check him out on twitter as well you can find me at cody ingle uh find the find the show at roster up media on twitter as well rosterupmedia.com check us out find us on facebook thanks for joining us Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Jet Up. If you could spare two minutes and go leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and consider writing a short review of the show, it would mean a lot. This is the main way we grow our podcast audience. Until next time, this is Jet Up.